Hey everybody, it's Brad, Rush Lake Fantasy Football Podcast. I know it's been a while since you've heard from me, and I'm ready. I'm ready for football. I'm ready to start jumping back into this. This is the first of, I want to say probably five podcasts that we're going to be doing leading up to our fantasy football draft, and then eventually to the first week of the NFL season. Um, I can't even begin to tell you how ready I am for football, uh, just this Last week, uh, I, I pretty much disowned baseball at this point. Uh, I never in my life uh, have ever had a, a trade deadline that actually meant anything, or at least felt like it meant anything. Uh, but if you didn't know, I'm a Chicago Cubs fan, and I watched all of the team, essentially. like Everybody that I had a, a jersey t-shirt of uh just get traded within the course of the day so uh i sat down and really tried to think about it uh with my dad and and i can't tell you i i haven't been this affected by a trade since joe montana was traded to the kansas city chiefs back when i was like eight years old and uh you know i i switched allegiances i, I had all kinds of kansas city stuff for a few years there uh, just because, like, that was that was my guy, you know. And now, I mean, I I don't even watch baseball. I'm not, I'm a terrible baseball fan. I literally only watch Chicago Cubs games. Uh, I never seen Ohanti pitch in, in my life. Like, I'm a terrible baseball fan. And now I'm I'm pretty much done for the year. Hopefully, you know, ticket prices will go down. Now sneak a, a bleacher day in there. Uh, that's that's pretty much like the hope I have, you know. I I have a wall in my basement of all of my jersey T-shirts of players that either have retired or uh, been traded, and and yeah, it's I have to resize it. I don't even have enough room for <laughs> all the T-shirts I'm gonna have to put up there now. Um, and I mean, I I'm comfortable with the Cubs you know being average or you know getting close I mean it was fun when they were the underdogs there for a while I mean shoot I I went to Cubs games when um you know I only watched when Jeff Samarja pitched I mean like it wasn't that long ago that we were oh bad but at the same time it was fun this last decade was amazing time to be a Cubs fan and man, did we ever turn a corner on that? So, you know, fingers crossed that like the young guys that they have would be good. I, I know I'm probably going to get to see uh, some some big prospects and some of the people that we got back in these trades. Um, hopefully, play. Uh, I just I don't know who they are. I'm, I'm not a good baseball person. So um, so yeah, uh, since August first, uh, I have just flipped the switch and been all over uh, football. Now, I have to kind of preface this with, um, I've been all over football college. Uh, I, I'm way more of a college football fan than I am a pro football fan. I know this is a fantasy football podcast for the NFL and all that, but like, dude, you're going to hopefully bear with me here over the next, like maybe hopefully half hour. And I'm just going to tell you all the stuff that I believe with regards to college football. Now, the landscape of college football is changing. It's boring. If you are the kind of person where if my team doesn't win the national championship, it was a terrible year, then like, yeah, college football is boring for you. I mean, realistically, if you look back uh, since the start of the college football playoffs, you can narrow down your list of teams that even have a an inkling of a shot at making the college football playoff uh, based on their season win totals. So, um, you know, fire up your phone, go to whatever sports book that you've got, because let's face it, it's legal in Michigan now. And if you haven't been betting on sports, then uh, I'm sorry. Like, you know, the most exciting part of your day is waking up to a cup of coffee. If you could look at the season win totals for all the college football teams. If they don't have 10 wins, if they if their number for the over-under on their season win total isn't 10, it's not double digits, 
then forget it. Like they're not going to win. We, we haven't had a single non 10 win, you know, team make the college football playoff yet. Um, we haven't, I want to say this traces back maybe to the nineties, but I know definitely early two thousands, we haven't had one win, um, that hasn't had a season win total of 10 or more. So, I mean, with that said, if your, if your team is national title or bust, I mean, realistically look and see what it looks like. And if, uh, if you got 10 wins on there, maybe if you don't, not really. And to even narrow it down even more, now this is going to sting for people who are like, you know, oh, this is my year. It's probably not. If you aren't a Bama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, or Oklahoma fan, I mean, yeah, it's not going to happen. The, those six teams, that's pretty much it. I mean, realistically speaking, you're going to probably have the same four-ish teams making back into the college football playoff. Now, if there ever was a year where like some junk could happen and we get totally new teams, no, it'd be this one. I mean, Alabama has a completely new quarterback um, playing for them. Never had a game, right? Which is awesome because I don't know, maybe he'll suck and that'd be cool. At the same time, it's Alabama. He's one of the top recruits in the nation. Everybody else on that team is one of the top recruits in the nation. It doesn't matter how young they are. They're they're incredibly athletic and going to be really well coached and likely going to be fantastic. Um, I think that they'll lose a game this year, so that that's that's fun. Uh, <laughs> I think they might lose to what a Georgia. Uh, I have really high hopes for Georgia. They got a ton of transfers this year. Um, I have high hopes for maybe Texas A and M beating them. Um, I mean that's. There's a chance uh, the the quarterback that they have there, it's not Kellen Mann, uh, which surprisingly, it's going to sound like an upgrade. Uh, So, I mean, like that could happen. Um, But yeah, Bama, you got Georgia. I think Georgia's going to make uh, the college football playoff. Uh, You're going to have one of those weird years where I honestly think that Georgia, with all of the transfers that they had come in, with the the defense that they play, with all of the upgrades... um, I think they probably won't win the SEC, but they'll beat Clemson in, I think it's either week one or week two, and I think that will be enough to put them into the the playoff. I know that sounds goofy, but if you wanted to take a flyer on a team that's getting pretty decent plus money, uh, Georgia would be that one. Um, And then, you know, you have Clemson. They they don't play anybody this year. They'll, They'll play Georgia. And then, you know, whoa, the ACC. And then that's about it. Um, the ACC is is not looking fantastic, unfortunately, again this year. And so, um, yeah, if Clemson runs the table and doesn't lose, yeah, maybe. Uh, there are a couple of, like, sneaky games for Clemson this year. Um, you know, like Boston College will be sneaky good uh, this year. Uh, but, yeah, not a ton. And so, unfortunately, uh, you're probably going to see the same crew. And let's face it, Ohio State, I'll get into the Big Ten later, but that's, I mean, we're all rooting against Ohio State every year, and it's uh, futile at this point, it feels like, because they're good. They have one of the top five recruiting classes in the nation, seemingly every year, and uh, yeah, there's just no way around it. Like, they're good. So, yeah, if that's the, the vibe that you have, um, I will say I did put a bet in and you will hear that phrase probably all throughout this uh, podcast. I did put a bet in for Oklahoma to uh, win the national championship this year. Um, reason being, uh, Spencer Rattler, last year, uh, their quarterback, it was the first start for him, right? So this is the first time that Lincoln Riley has had a quarterback um, not be a seasoned veteran, uh, essentially, ever since since he's been coached there. And so you knew that there was going to be a little bit of struggle, and he did. He struggled at the beginning. But as he got more and more um, experience, he was fantastic at the end of the year. He's crazy athletic. Um, he's making tons of money now with the, the NIL stuff. And so, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be great. And that is 
I mean, if you wanted to go all in on the on the Oklahoma thing, that's probably the guy that you want to peg for the Heisman. And you're thinking probably Oklahoma is your your uh, Big 12 champion at least one more time, right? That they're not going to be there next year. And then Oklahoma uh, essentially gets most of their tough games at home. And when I even say most of their tough games, um, they, the Red River rivalry, right? Or Red River shootout with Texas. Um, you know, that's a that's like a neutral site anyway. Um, I think they play Iowa State at home, uh, which is towards the end of the season. And uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I feel really confident that, that Oklahoma is going to do well. Um, they got a new defensive coordinator. That defensive coordinator, I want to say it's the second or third year. Uh, he's very good with the, uh, the whole spread defense. And this is probably the best defense that they will have fielded in Lincoln Riley's time there. So, I mean, if there was ever a time for that dude to win the national championship, it's now. Now, I will say, Texas is on the up. Um, you got the, oh, Steve Sarkeesian, new coach. It won't happen this year, but give him a little bit. That guy's pretty good. And it sounds like all of his demons are gone and things like that. Uh, you know, so Sark after dark returns and he's going to be good. And then what? Iowa State. Iowa State has with the, the whole super senior thing going on and, and people getting an extra year because of last year's COVID stuff. Um, they have a ridiculously um, veteran team. I mean, just about everybody comes back for them. And they were good last year. They were good enough to win last year. They totally choked away the Big 12 title last year. Um, so because of that, they're the team to watch for. Now, are they a national title contender? I don't know. They usually start really slow. Let's face it. When they play Iowa in, in their Cyhawk trophy game, Iowa always finds a way to beat them. I mean, Kurt Ferentz has is, is just got their number, it seems like. Uh, so that's one. The other kind of rough thing with Iowa State is they do play Oklahoma, and then the week later they play TCU. And the Horned Frogs are one of those sneaky good teams. They're always going to play great spread defense. Uh, Gary Patterson is an awesome coach. And their offensive, I don't know, um, reformation is changing them to the point where the offense and the defense are a little bit more melded together. Uh, I think before the whole, all right, we're going to be spread and we're going to be up tempo and we're going to start moving things didn't really translate to we're going to play good defense. You know what I mean? Because sometimes if you're fast, fast, fast all the time, you're really taxing the defense because they're out there a lot. And I think that uh, the two the two sides are, are much more balanced this year. The offense is definitely going to have caught up with the defense, and they should be much better this year. And so TCU is that that sneaky play to make the Big 12 championship. If if you're one of those kind of people that you're like, hey, I want to I want to put in some money, I want to get some stuff. That's it. So if you want you want something, you know, little five dollar play to get you thirty. Put TCU in to make the Big 12 championship, and uh, and who knows because TCU will play Iowa State the week after Oklahoma. So if Oklahoma holds serve, beats Iowa State, Iowa State's going to be down in the dumps, man. I mean, you just you just missed out on your your big one, your big that was their Super Bowl, and then they got to play TCU like immediately following next week. That's the last game of the season, and yeah, it's. It's tough to ride that roller coaster of a wave. So that's a thing. Um, wow, man, I really jumped into this. My bad. Uh, but heck, I'm gonna keep on going. Um, we've got the national scope of things. I mean, if you want to keep looking at it from a national perspective, uh, the pack, whatever it is now, do they suck? Don't watch that. I mean, UCLA is going to be fun. Chip Kelly is getting his offense kind of rolling. The quarterback started making better decisions last year. They hired a quarterback coach from, oh my gosh, small school. He was fantastic there. One of those like weird Texas schools where they throw the ball all over the place. Man, I forgot. But uh, that guy's going to do wonderful. And he's going to make a world of difference for them. He's their passing game coordinator now. And dude, they're going to throw the ball. 
with Chip Kelly's zone read run system that he had and kind of revolutionized college football with. And so, yeah. Now, are they good? No. The, the recruits are nowhere near what the rest of the nation are. And unfortunately, uh, that's, that's what college football is now, is who has the best recruits. Uh, the middle tier type games will be much more entertaining because let's face it, if he can be even remotely competitive, a, a competitive UCLA team makes football fun. Now, I think Utah is going to win that division out there. I bet on it. I, so there you go again. I, I put in the money. Uh, Utah to win their division um, simply because they're going to play fantastic defense, right? Kyle Whittingham out there, awesome coach. You don't want to go to Utah and play a night game. That, that stadium is just built to be on top of people. Uh, so long as they can put stands or fans in the stands, it's a terrible place to play. And they got Charlie Brewer, who was a former Baylor quarterback. Uh, he's pretty good. And that's really shored up a lot of stuff for them. I mean, let's face it, every year I'm always like kind of curious of how well they're going to be able to play offense. And this year, they got a guy. They got a guy now, you know? So uh, maybe it'll go well. I bet on it to, to go that way. So fingers crossed. Uh, Arizona State is out there. Uh, that's another one. If you wanted to try to pick somebody that was going to win their side of the the conference or go to the conference championship game uh arizona state is a sneaky play only because uh they have a bowl ban and so with the bowl ban i mean let's face it you can you can kind of monitor how they're doing and stuff like that but they don't care about six wins they're not going so they care about winning their conference that is the biggest goal they could possibly have there's no step ladder for them this year and so because of that um you know because they don't have to tick off all of these little accolades as they, they lead up to a conference championship. That's not a thing. Conference championship or bust for Arizona State. And I don't know. It could happen. Uh, I'm not banking on it doing that, but it could. Uh, lastly, I mean, if if you're like me, I don't like pack football at all. Um, whenever it gets nighttime and I need something to watch, uh, this is going to sound goofy, but go ahead, treat yourself and become a Mountain West football fan. Mountain West Conference has everything that you could possibly want. It's entertaining. All the teams are super close. Uh, they're, they're on late, so whenever, you know, if that prime time game sucks, or if, you know, it's 11 o'clock at night and you just can't find yourself to go to sleep, right? Go ahead and, and pull a Hawaii all-nighter. And just stay up and watch Hawaii football. Stay up and watch Boise State. They're going to be good. I bet on them to win that conference this year. Uh, stay up and watch Air Force. N nobody has a more entertaining offense uh, as far as uh, scheme-wise than Air Force. They have to in order to kind of like get their recruits to play at a different level. They have all kinds of crazy offensive uh, formations and sets and, and different... Um, option schemes that they use to try to like level the playing field right and it's fun it's fun to watch i love wyoming uh that quarter or that coach came from north dakota state he's built that program up they're getting better i uh bet on them to go over their season win total so what was that wyoming season win total was uh seven and a half and i bet over because they're returning a ton of people and I, i've got i've got faith so if you wanted to ride or die with uh, some of that stuff, go ahead and take Wyoming over seven and a half. At the same time, take Utah State under three and a half. So, I mean, you could always be mean and root against people. That happens, right? So I like it. I think it's fun. Um, but let's face it, if, if night football isn't your thing, uh, if, if you don't want something fun and different, then forget the Mountain West. They aren't going to be in the national uh, conversation. But most of the football that I enjoy isn't. So with that being said, um, this year I am I am totally going to make a little football pilgrimage. I'm going to go all over the place trying to watch football games. I'm going to let you guys know what games I'm going to. And uh, if you want to tag along, you can. Uh, I've already signed up for a couple, um, and I bring this up now because the next thing I'm going to talk about is Maction. 
if you don't watch Tuesday night action or Wednesday night action or sometimes Thursday night action, then I don't know how much longer we can be friends because midweek action is the stuff that I live for. And I have a ton of Western games I'm going to go to this year. Uh, am I a Western Michigan fan? Not really. I don't think they're going to be very good. I don't believe in their coach. But they their schedule just sets up awesome for me, right? And they're going to be towards the top part of the conference, so the football should be meaningful and kind of, you know, exciting. So uh, I'm actually going to go watch Western play Pitt in Pittsburgh. Uh, I think that's week three for them or two. And uh, so that's going to be awesome. I get to go walk around Heinz Field and see all that. And then uh, my dad... Lifelong Pittsburgh Steelers fan. I'm going to take him to watch the Pittsburgh Steelers play the Las Vegas Raiders the Sunday following. I'm going to have a whole football weekend in in Western Pennsylvania. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be so much fun. Um, I got that. Uh, I'm going to go watch Purdue play for the Old Oaken Bucket. They're going to be playing Indiana at the last uh, few games of the season there. I think that one's during uh, Thanksgiving time. So I, I got tickets to that. Uh, I've got tickets to the Anchor Bone Classic, where I'm going to watch GVSU uh, play Ferris State, the two best you know, what, Division II schools uh, in the state, and, and nationally for that matter. I mean, Ferris State you know, is going to make the national uh, playoffs, and they're fantastic. Um, yeah, I just got so many. We're, we're going to talk about when we do our uh, Western Michigan uh, fan cookout uh, Western plays Central at home. Uh, big midweek action. I already got tickets for that one. Uh, I'm also going to encourage everybody to visit me when Western plays Ball State. Ball State's going to be good. And that is kind of like a big one for who's going to win the conference. I, I happen to think that uh, Ball State is good enough to kind of stay towards the top part of it. And uh, they, they're your MAC champion from last year. And because of that, ideal time to go and sit down on a Saturday and watch and so yeah man I got I got a lot of football that, that I have uh, sort of queued up on the the list this year and I'm excited now let's talk Maction now in order to keep this somewhat short uh, I'm only going to talk about the Mac schools that matter and the Mac schools that are in my state of Michigan. Um, there's a good ones. Uh, I would have talked about Northern Illinois, uh, OL trains state currently, uh, but they're terrible. They're, they're going to be bad again. Uh, their head coach switch, uh, hasn't worked out, uh, very well. And the recruiting ranks aren't very good. And this year, I don't think it's going to work out. So instead we're going to talk about Western central and Eastern, those are your your in-state Mac schools to pay attention to. Um, starting off with Western, they've got the toughest schedule of I don't want to say any Mac team, but most Mac teams. I mean, they start off by going to Michigan, not great, especially with Michigan being in a a I don't know I don't want to say do or die year because let's face it, they're they're on the up, I feel like. They're going to give Ole Harbaugh as much time as he possibly wants. I'll talk about them later. But you could just get that sense that week one, Michigan will want to beat Western as bad as humanly possible. That's not great for Ole Western, right? And then you're going to also have a game at Pitt. Pitt's not great, but Narduzzi uh, does often field a great defense. And I don't know. Uh, the simple fact that it it's right before San Diego State. San Diego State is a sneaky good team. They made a bowl last year. They're good enough to win that game. And that happens right after Pitt. So the first four uh, games for Western, I mean, throw in an Illinois State, and you could be one in three. I mean, not an ideal start and then eventually you're going to start your conference play by going to Buffalo now mind you uh, I want to say the the Vegas books had Buffalo as your favorite to win the MAC Um, they lost their head coach he's now the head coach of Kansas Um, they lost 
all of their big uh, the stars. Um, their their running back was absolutely fantastic last year. He's an NFL player now, and so I don't know. I'm not wowed by it. However, they won't have very many games in which they are favored in. Their season win total is only at like six and a half. Uh, I personally am not a fan of Tim Lester. Um, reason being, he's very hit or miss. There has been more than a handful of games where he should have won. I mean, his entire record at Western right now is 24 and 20. I mean, he is as 500 a coach as you can be because there's so many games which they are favored and then they lose. Last year, all you have to do is win the last game, beat, I think it was lowly Northern Illinois, and you're in the MAC championship. And then you drop that game and now you get nothing. Way to go, you know? And it's kind of been like that for the last few years because they have fantastic recruiting classes. They should be awesome. Phil Steele has them winning the conference. But I just don't have the same vibe about the old Western as I used to. And I mean, this is a guy who has the, you know, row the boat poster in his basement and a cotton bowl hat on the wall. So uh, I'm probably extremely biased based on what happened before. But at the same time, until it's proven, uh, I have to put Tim Lester as one of the not so good coaches in the Mac. And because of that, I don't know. I mean, meh. Even Phil Steele has him at a middle-of-the-road coach in terms of that stuff. Um, on the flip side, absolutely fantastic coach. Jim McElwain is going to be coming back to Central which is kind of a big deal because I would have thought that he'd been poached by a bigger program by now. I mean, you know he's looking to get back up to the big ones, right? But for now, he's still at Central. Central's going to have a bunch of returning production. They are seventh in the nation in terms of returning production. If you watched them last year, they had all kinds of COVID issues. Their the quarterback got injured towards the last little bit. They even had a game where they took one of their wide receivers, mind you an extremely fast wide receiver from Muskegon area, um, play quarterback. I mean, they scored a ton of points last year, but they had a lot of, I don't know, sort of defensive issues. Um, they're over under for the season is six and a half, and I bet on that. Um, it's over. Uh, if, you, if you're if you into like preseason um, picks and stuff like that, S&P Plus is one of the really good ones that you can follow in S&P Plus has them at um, winning seven games. And so just for that simple fact, like I feel good about that. I'll, there's games that S&P has them losing that are toss-up games. And so very realistically speaking, uh, Central could be towards the top. Now, I say this, I think Toledo will be better. I think Ball State will be better, um, but I'm not so sure that Western will be better. Uh, so, I mean, but they still, they still have some games that are extremely winnable. They're going to play Robert Morris. They're going to play FIU. Um, they've got Miami of Ohio, Northern Illinois, Kent State, Ball State, and Eastern. The, the last little stretch there of Kent State, Ball State, and Eastern, I mean, they're smart. They understand six wins get you bowl eligible. Jim McElwain is a, is a name uh, that people want uh, to kind of throw their support behind. And so if uh, they had to pick somebody that Central's going to go bowling, I mean, they have that that name recognition type thing. So I don't know. I feel pretty good about it. So I'm going to say over six and a half. I think they're going to get bowl eligible. Um, lastly, we have Eastern. And uh, Eastern Michigan scores points. Eastern Michigan keeps games close. I mean, to give you an idea how they keep games close, uh, they've lost seven of their last nine one score games so i mean like even the year that they did fantastic they went to the motor city bowl one score games is the like mo for eastern um they were also that kind of sneaky team that would go in there and upset uh the big schools and stuff like that i don't think that's gonna happen this year uh, as their non-conference i think they have to play wisconsin or at wisconsin and uh you know that that's gonna be awful but other than that um yeah I have nothing really 
to say about Eastern. I know it sounds boring. I, like I, I've read up on them and things like that, but they have those straight out of Detroit East side of the state recruits that I just don't ever hear about. And so I love the coach. Don't get me wrong. Chris Creighton has done a fantastic job. Uh, he's been there for what, eight years now. And, uh, and he's, he's built them up to being respectable. With that being said, I have no idea how they're going to do this year. Uh, and unfortunately, um, they're just probably not going to hit my radar at all. I mean, especially with uh, the last little bit of their season. Uh, the last four games for, for Eastern are literally all the best teams in the MAC. They're going to play Toledo, Ohio, Western, and Central. So, I mean, like, um, they didn't get any favor scheduling-wise. So, if you want to be in on uh, Eastern, do it early because by their bye week, their season will probably be done. Now, I did tell you, uh, in regards to the MAC, I think Toledo's good. Toledo is even higher uh, regarded in terms of returning production. Um, Toledo lost a fluky game to Western last year. Um, YouTube searched that. It's seen to believing type stuff. They completely like just botched the end of the game, um, which has been a little bit of the struggles with Toledo. Um, Jason Candle is in his... Oof, fifth year sixth year i think and this is after um matt campbell went to iowa state and so they kind of wanted to keep the same vibe going and i mean granted overall he still has a winning record there but um no mac title and that's kind of what they're wanting they, they want that mac title and so i think this is the year they're going to do it i already took them i took them at like plus like 300 or something like that I, i'm i don't know uh, specifically uh right off the top of my head but like i i bet on them to win the mac um i think it's gonna be absolutely exciting uh hopefully if they get down towards crunch time and, and they're in it uh i am gonna go to the mac championship in detroit if they make that game um but yeah it should be fantastic the only thing that could be sneaky bad for them is uh they do have to go to central and and I mean, let's face it, Central's good. And they get Western at home. I'm going to maybe buy tickets to go to that game. I've never been to the Glass Bowl in, in Toledo. And, but, I mean, it looks awesome on TV. Why not? Um, but they play at Central. And then they play at Ohio. Ohio is the team uh, in the, what is that, the MAC East. Um, I think that they're going to win. Uh, now, granted... Uh, Frank Solich is out, and I mean, dude, that guy had been coaching football for forever. I mean, he he coached in Nebraska like all through the late '90s and early 2000s, and and I mean, since then he'd been at Ohio. So, my gosh, I want to say he had 17, 16 years at Ohio, and so now he's out. And initially, I was like, oh, that's bad, but. It's not because they're just promoting from within. No big scheme changes, uh, no big personnel changes. Uh, their quarterback room is fantastic. Uh, Curtis Rourke is so Rourke is the the quarterback name for Ohio. Uh, his older brother played before him, and then he kind of like seamlessly transitioned into the younger brother. And I, I want to say he's like a redshirt freshman now. He's a massive dude. Throws the ball really well. Uh, he's going to be able to run. But then beneath him, they have uh, this guy named Armani Rogers. And I mean, talk about like explosive guy. I mean, he was in UNLV for a while and uh, I mean, just running all over the place, throwing the ball downfield, uh, the complete like video game quarterback, like super exciting. Well, last year, they only got three games because of, of like COVID. So I don't know which one's going to start. They, they did this like little switch on, switch off thing. And uh, I don't know. I think just because of those two players alone and, and the fact that there, there isn't like wholesale changes, um, I think Ohio is like primed to be the team out of the MAC East. Should be fun. Um, those are the ones that I'll be watching at least, right? Um, also, Ohio plays Syracuse week one and they play that game at home. So that's going to be kind of a cool one to watch. They also play at Northwestern. 
and uh, the at Northwestern game. Sneaky, sneaky game because let's face it, uh, you have those weird sort of like sleepy games for big teams like the Big Ten and uh, Ohio's and Eastern's. We, we have that. I, I actually got it this year. My sweet wife bought it for me. Um, I have the Mac pirate flag. So that they, they like to fly whenever they upset a big school. And even though I think Northwestern is going to be, you know, that that Northwestern team, you know what I mean? They're, they're going to go over their season win total and you won't have any idea how. You know, they're going to beat somebody that's really good and it's going to be extremely confusing to everyone. And analytical people will hate everything that they do. But nobody wins more games that they shouldn't than Pat Fitzgerald. And so I say that, dude, they play Ohio right before going to Nebraska and right before like the sort of the start of the Big Ten West. And so that's a sneaky game to watch because Ohio is going to be no slouch. They're going to go to there to win. All right. So, hey, that's a Mac. That's that's Michigan uh, for you. All right. And so. Um, if you're feeling it, I will definitely keep you uh, up to date in terms of like the games I'm going to go watch this year um, in Kalamazoo. All right. And lastly, for our college football podcast today, um, let's talk about the Big Ten. If, if you're even remotely a college football fan and you live in our area, do you watch the Big Ten? I mean, you just. That's, that's that's our football, right? And uh, there's, I don't know, a chance for excitement this year. Now, I say that with the notion that people only like to pay attention to the stuff at the top. I mean, we've gotten to that point now, especially with regards to college football, where if, if you're not going to win the Big Ten championship and you're not going to win the national title and you're not, you know, on ESPN every week making millions of dollars and junk like that, like then nobody cares. Um, I don't for some goofy reason. I absolutely love the, the different schemes that are out there in college football. I love different looking football. I love that Indiana is going to play Purdue super hard because of their in-state rivalry. I love that Illinois and Northwestern are going to have a weirdly competitive game at the end of the year. I, I'm into that sort of stuff. I like that Michigan and Michigan State, for whatever reason, will play down to the other, and they're going to have a close and competitive football game. Like I like that. There's, there's a, a different like emotional fire when it comes to those games. That you just don't you don't get every week in the NFL. The, let's face it, in the NFL, there's a handful of games uh, that are just sleepy games. Like nobody cares. There's no, there's nothing to it. Like they're gonna go out there and try to win, but it's a meh. You know, um, not the same vibe with college. Not the same volatility with college. I mean, we're we're asking young twenty people to like, you know, play an extremely um, emotionally draining and, uh, we're, we're asking them to be perfect every single week and they can't, I mean, they're young, they're, they're up and down Their Their emotional state is all over the place. We have the chance to see some goofy junk happen with regards to college football that you just don't often get with the NFL. So with that said, um, Ohio state is probably going to win the big time. Boo. I know, but let's face it, dude, they're good. Uh, they have the best wide receiver group in the nation. I mean, like, they had a wide receiver transfer from Alabama, and he's not even going to be, like, one of their best guys. He's, like, the fourth or fifth wideout now. Like, it, Alabama, uh, Ohio State's going to be so good, unfortunately, that even on, like, defense, they, they have several NFL-caliber players playing at every level, except – the secondary. Ohio State secondary is the biggest question mark. That is their Achilles heel. It was last year. It likely will be again this year. And so, I mean, fingers crossed, there's a chance that, you know, the, the they have some slip-ups, but dude, their offense is going to be so good that you know, if you want to beat Ohio State, um, you have to go one or two ways. You have to do the goofy, you know, 
back when Stanford would always give Oregon fits, you know, the, the keep the ball forever and then kick a field goal, <laughs> you know, keep the ball forever, get in the red zone, actually score a touchdown and, uh, and really put the pressure on it, limit how often they have the ball, limit the amount of plays that they can run, limit um, just – it, it definitely shrinks the game whenever you play clock games like that. And I remember Stanford back in the day, they were fantastic at it. Uh, we don't really have a team in the Big Ten that's sort of geared to be that uh, with regards to, say, like Wisconsin. Wisconsin could. Their offensive line is one of the best in the nation every year. Their running back this year is is going to be great. Uh, I think his name is Berger. And uh, and he's much better than what the the guy that they had last year. He he's a he's a younger guy. Uh, and then Graham Mertz, uh, the quarterback, played a lot of the season hurt. So fingers crossed that was the reason why you know all of a sudden out of nowhere he wasn't very good. Uh, because let's face it, we we all watched him be perfect week one with Wisconsin, and I, I was blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is amazing. And then supposedly has a shoulder injury, and uh, yeah, and then Jim Leonard still the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin. Um, I can't believe that he hasn't taken a job somewhere else because he's he's amazing. And so that's the team that is geared to beat Ohio State. But I say that that's not the team that's going to exploit Ohio State's weaknesses, right? I mean, maybe Graham Mertz can to make some throws down the field and kind of keep him off of him, but. We don't really know. Uh, that, that's that's not their mo. The last time that uh, Ohio State really lost the game uh, was when Rondell Moore blew up on them, you know, for Purdue, or when uh, Iowa uh, uncharacteristically threw the ball all over the field in, in a night game in a cornfield. And so, I mean, like that's the way. Unfortunately, I think even again this year to beat um, Ohio State, and and I would love to see Wisconsin do it. I just don't know if they they can. Um, I will also say that, um, Wisconsin or Ohio state is got a new quarterback this year. I mean, he hasn't taken very many snaps. Um, he looked pretty solid in the, um, the spring game for what I could garner, but I mean, like it's a spring game. So maybe the newness of, uh, of the quarterback position, uh, will leave them vulnerable. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. Let's face it, Ohio State, they it's not like they have a, a murderer's row of a schedule either. Uh, I know everybody's very excited about them playing Oregon, uh, but I think they're going to blow Oregon out. Uh, I already actually bet on that. Um, I, uh, and there's another one. I took uh, Ohio State to beat Oregon, and I want to say I laid – sorry for the crinkling of papers here, but I, I got to find it. Yeah, I laid 10. So I, I think they crush Oregon. I, I don't have much um, of a good vibe about PAC conference. I told you I, I don't I don't think much of them. So I think Oregon gets blown out. And, uh, yeah, they're at Minnesota week one, but it's week one, so that's a meh. Um, then they play Tulsa, Akron, Rutgers, Maryland. That That's nothing. All their, their most difficult games are sort of like lumped at the end, but they don't have that stretch of tough games. You know, they always have something in between. Now, I will say at Indiana and then playing Penn State could be tough, but Penn State, another team that's going to have a, a kind of a unique quarterback situation. I'm not a huge fan, uh, and I don't know if uh, that guy can make the decisions needed I mean, I didn't see it last year. I didn't think the decisions being made last year from the quarterback position were any good. And then let's face it, they they fired um, Soroka, I think is how you pronounce his name. That was the offensive coordinator for Penn State last year. He came from um, Minnesota, and Minnesota's doing this cool, it's like a Y-off offense. So to give you an idea, like that, that tight end position that's normally in line as a blocker, he can pull and move, and he has a free release. And so you can do a lot of different, um, a lot of different run pass options with that guy, you know, and, uh, and it's, it's neat. It's, it's a, it's a unique offense. It's definitely the, the way that football is going and they poach him from Minnesota, give him money and then give him his walking papers. I think that guy's like a, 
um, offensive uh, consultant or whatever you want to call it for uh, West Virginia now. So why? I mean, why in a COVID year to get rid of that guy? Um, I read a thing that's saying that they didn't like the pace of their play or whatever, but that's stupid. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of faith in Franklin. Uh, I'm not a fan of his at all. And uh, I just, I don't, I don't see it. Now, that being said, they're probably the second or third best team in, in the Big Ten in terms of talent, just, just talent alone. They should be really good, but they're going to drop games that I think they probably shouldn't. I mean, if you watched last year, the amazing Indiana game, uh, Michael Phoenix like jumping and uh, stretching the ball out across the pylon is absolutely wonderful to watch, super entertaining. Uh, they'll have stuff like that. I think they lose at Wisconsin week one. Um, I don't know what the line is, um, but I think I think Wisconsin probably, oh, man, is one. I think you'll probably find anything like three and a half to three. And if you find anything under three, obviously take Wisconsin, you know, lay those points. Um, but, yeah, like they're going to lose that game. Then they'll play Ball State and Auburn. I don't know Auburn's going through like wholesale changes. And then, you know, they'll play Indiana and then at Iowa in October. And that's the one, that's the sneaky one that I think that they'll have a hard time with. They're going to, I mean, I'm, I haven't looked at it and I haven't bet on it, but at Iowa is the one that I'm looking at because it'll be right after Indiana. It's going to be an emotionally charged game because of the unique upset that was dealt to them last year. And, and I really think that, they're going to focus so much on Indiana. It's hard to stay up week to week. Iowa's got a shot to, to make that their game. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's other ones too. Like they, they go to Ohio State, and then the week after they go to Maryland. Maryland's going to play really good offense. Now, they're not going to be a disciplined team, I don't think, at Maryland. Like they're just not. They're going to be all over the place. And so because of that, um, who knows, right? They, they could go to Maryland and crush them. But if there was a buy low spot that you wanted to get Maryland, that was one, you know, it's a sneaky spot. And then they play Michigan and then Rutgers. And so it, you know, there's like this, this wave. I, I'm not uh, good with the, I make power ratings numbers and all that kind of stuff. I'm much better with regards to looking at a schedule and seeing when is there a potential flat spot and Penn state, unfortunately, uh, their schedule lines up. They just have more than the rest of them. Like I, I told you, Ohio State. Ohio State, I don't think has any. I mean, you go through their schedule, and they'll play at Indiana, which isn't uh, a trap game anymore. That's right after their bye. And everybody knows what you're getting with Indiana now, so they're not sneaking up on anyone anymore. And let's face it, Indiana, if Michael Penix isn't healthy, uh, or if their offensive line can't keep him healthy, then forget it. I mean, it's not going to happen. Plus, last year, if you look into like advanced numbers and junk like that, their red zone defense is, was just amazing. I mean, people got in the red zone, and and Indiana shut the door uh, with some of the top ten teams in the nation. You don't repeat stuff like that year to year. That's that's usually a, a fluky thing with regards to uh, with regards to kickers making it in college, which don't trust college kickers. And then with regards to turnovers, which every year turnovers is a crapshoot. You can't you can't bank on defenses getting turnovers consistently year to year. So is in so when like Ohio State goes to play Indiana, they know exactly what they're getting into. It's after the bye. Like it doesn't matter that's going to be in Bloomington. Doesn't matter. And then they play Ohio State plays Penn State. And then they're at Nebraska. And then they play Purdue. And then they play Michigan State. And then they play Michigan. The three like bottom teams in the big 10 they play all in a row before they go to michigan so like their schedule doesn't have them riding this sort of like emotional wave whereas penn state definitely definitely has to ride the wave and i don't know it could be bad um i think i mentioned earlier um that i like uh wisconsin um now i will say i like wisconsin but, uh, and this is the thing that always gets me, Iowa. Iowa is always that like sneaky team, right? They're always supposed to be mid-tier. Even when you say Iowa, you're like, oh, well, they're pretty good, but not great. No, Iowa, 
has a very good spot this year to beat Wisconsin. And it's because of this schedule sort of like flux that I'm talking to you about. Uh, they're going to start with Indiana and then they'll go at Iowa State, um, which are two super huge games for them, right? And then they'll eventually make their way to their bye. When they get to the bye, the week after, they play at Wisconsin and then at Northwestern. Now, I bring up both of them because Wisconsin has this super weird sort of like middle of their schedule, right? They play Notre Dame at Soldier Field, which I have tried to get tickets to. Holy cow. <laughs> I have to refinance my home to go to that game. Um, then they play home against Michigan, which would be another really big game, right? And then they play at Illinois. And I know you're like, meh, Illinois. Well, Illinois got the crazy flat top guy who used to be Wisconsin's coach, Brett Bielema. You would like to think that that's, you know, let bygones be bygones, but it's not. They, they, both sides totally and completely remember Brett taking off for Arkansas, talking about the SEC, and you know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's going to be more of a thought game than probably what it would have been if Lovey had just still been there. And Brett Bielma is trying to do the same thing they did at Wisconsin. He's got all these linemen. They're, they're, they're going to try to run the ball and control it and things like that, right? I say this because the week after Illinois, they play Army. Why anyone would schedule Army? I don't know. And this is coming from a Notre Dame fan who watches Notre Dame play Navy every year. I love the Notre Dame-Navy game. But I completely understand where Notre Dame plays Navy in their schedule. They always, almost always, have a break. So either before or after. Specifically, after. There's this, there's this academy effect that is real. The, the run the ball, all four downs is scary and to be honest there's a chance and i know this sounds crazy but there's a chance that they will be absolutely mentally exhausted after going big game big game emotional game and then army after which they play at purdue which is a sneaky game and then they'll play iowa so i don't think the schedule sets up well for wisconsin um because of that that little chunk that I just uh, just threw out there. Uh, however, uh, if they can get by um, Purdue and Iowa, the other ones, I mean, Illinois, they're going to win that game. But if they can get by Purdue and Iowa, the other ones don't really mean that much. You know, um, they do in terms of like national championship type stuff, which, you know, that if you did want to throw it out there, this would be the year that Wisconsin would make the college football playoff because they are the next best team in the conference, but they didn't do it themselves favors uh, with the way that their schedule lined up. So, all right. Um, let's talk about the last two teams in our state here, okay? Let's go ahead and talk about Michigan and Michigan State. Michigan State, Mel Tucker's, it's his second year. Um, they... They, it's hard to talk about because you just don't know what you're going to get. Their, their quarterback is supposed to be different, right? He's Anthony Russo, I believe his name is. So it's not the, the Rocky Lombardi or whatever guy who, man, for whatever it's worth. I mean, he played hard, but he just wasn't a great quarterback. And I don't know what to expect from the new guy. Uh, I, I don't know what to expect about them in general, other than they're probably going to play good defense. They're going to try their best to run the ball and they're going to try to keep the games, you know, as tight as possible in hopes that they can pull something off. Right. Uh, their, their schedule is unique. Uh, they play at Northwestern week one, they play Youngstown state, which Youngstown state FBS, they, they should win. Right. Uh, that they don't have the caliber of athletes that, that Michigan State does. They play at Miami, which Miami is supposed to be down this year, but that's a tough place to play, and they'll be fired up to play a Big Ten school. And then they play Nebraska, and then, and this is the goofy one, Western Kentucky. 
Now, Western Kentucky has a newer-ish coach, I want to say. Um, I say newer-ish because the the head coach is the same. It's his like third year, so I mean he's relatively new with the one COVID year kind of being a meh. But he's bringing in new offensive coordinators, and these offensive coordinators are from places that score a ton of points, right? So he's got a guy from was it Texas Tech when like Clingsbury was there and Patrick Mahomes was there and they they were throwing the ball all over the place, and then. He's got a guy coming in, and I can't think of his name, but he was the offensive coordinator at Houston Baptist. And I know what you're thinking, like, dude, you're really digging down the, the rabbit hole with this Houston Baptist thing. I know. Dude, YouTube it. The last few years, they've been fantastic. They scored, like, 50 points a game. Like, they're they're wild, right? So Western Kentucky is going to score points. This is terrible for Michigan State, right? You don't want to play a good team. You don't want to play a team that's going to throw it all over the place and junk like that. And more importantly, you don't want to play a team before you know you get into this this really difficult uh, Big Ten schedule because you're going to play Western Kentucky after Nebraska. You're not going to care that much, right? But it should be somewhat similar offense, but you're not going to care that much. And it's sandwiched in between a visit to Rutgers, which Rutgers won last year. Rutgers is getting better. Greg Schiano showed up and showed up with coaches. Their offensive scheme is awesome. Uh, they they got the offensive coordinator from Princeton, and they have so many cool run schemes. And, th- and that's what they're doing, man. They do. They are running the ball, and they are being smart with it. And they were tons of fun to watch last year. And so, yeah, that's not great, man. I mean, if you were Michigan State. Ugh, what a terrible year to schedule Western Kentucky. And I know I'm I'm digging a digging a weird hole here, but the game for Michigan State, as it is kinda in a weird way every year, they play Michigan after a bye. That's huge. Because if you if you're able to win that game for your fan base, then you know, you're on the up and up. Everybody's happy. Everybody's pumped with the direction that Michigan State's going. But if you don't win that game, you got at Purdue, Maryland, at Ohio State, Penn State. Like you could very, very reasonably have an absolutely awful year. Now, could they beat that uh, Michigan team? Uh, what is that like in October? The last little bit of October, they could. It doesn't fit great for Michigan right now. Which, dude, if there was ever a year to have a hard time finding stuff for Michigan, it's this year. Like they, they didn't. They're not letting people into their facility at all. I haven't seen any clips of people. I, I don't think they televised their spring game or allowed people there. Like, um, I think they used to call it like going into the submarine or whatever. Like, I got nothing um, in terms of how good Michigan's going to be. I know a lot of people are down on them this year. Um, they think that, you know, they might even get fourth in the East. Um, a, a lot of people are saying that this is the year that Indiana was, was going to be better than them. Then I don't know. They could. Uh, they start off with Western, and then they play home uh, against Washington. And Washington should be all right, but I know absolutely nothing about Washington football, to be totally honest with you. And but then after that, it's relatively easy schedule until you get you know you're at Wisconsin. Uh, you play Northwestern after a bye right before Michigan State. That's a that's a tough one, right? Uh, but other than that, it's a really manageable schedule. I mean, I don't know. I feel pretty good about it. the last four are the tricky ones in which you're going to go, you know, you're at Michigan State, you play home at Indiana, you're at Penn State, you're at Maryland, and then you play Ohio State. If you're a betting person, uh, you got to look at how big of a favorite Michigan might be at Maryland. You know, I mean, Maryland being at home towards the end of the season, people are looking to get bowl eligible. Maryland should be close should be right there with it and that's a huge game for him and it's right before ohio state their head isn't in it uh i saw the big 10 preview uh the big 10 you know um uh, media days and media coverage and they they were all in on the our one goal is to beat ohio state and so i mean i get it they they let go of don brown uh he was the scapegoat for last year which 
reasonably so. Uh, you go into the game against Ohio State and they kill you on, you know, crossing patterns and mesh routes for years and and you know, and you stay in man man because this is what you do at Michigan. We're going to blitz the heck out of you and play man on the back end. And that's cool and all, but that also is I don't know. It's dependent on your secondary being better than those receivers. And as I said, uh, probably a half hour ago, it seems like now, Ohio State has the best receiving core in the nation. So this year, the new defensive coordinator, uh, he's switching to a 3-4. But from the sounds of it, it's still going to be a super heavy man um, defense. So they're going to play man-to-man a ton. And then they're going to blitz a ton. And so that's the that's the, that's their MO once again. Um, I like to think that by that point in the schedule, by the end of the year, uh, he'll be able to, you know, mix in some zone, mix in some some different coverages to kind of try to confuse what will be a first-year quarterback for Ohio State. You know, you got to try to get that dude off of his first read, for goodness sake, or a second read. You got to um, confuse him a little bit. And the super spread formations that teams run nowadays, it's hard to disguise stuff because they stretch you so far. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, fingers crossed for him. I know this is the best running back that Harbaugh's ever had. Uh, and looking at the the running backs that he's had in the past and, and recruit rankings and stuff like that, this is the guy. Um, his name is Hassan Hankins, Haskins, Hassan Haskins. And uh, yeah, he's supposed to be pretty serious. So, I mean, I, I don't know a ton about him, but a lot of people are pumped about it. Um, I know... Um, this is a serious, serious year for their offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis. Uh, he was supposed to be the, the Bama guru guy. And then it just, it hasn't worked out The the move to the spread really hasn't worked out. Um, I know I've often gotten on my soapbox uh, as far as this isn't what I thought Michigan was getting when they brought Harbaugh in. Um, I mean, that's, this isn't, the brand of football that I want to watch whenever I watch Michigan football. I know it sounds goofy, but Michigan folks want tight ends. I mean, we want, we want running the ball uh, out of a single back. We, we want, you know, play action passes, you know, things like that. And I know I'm supposed to get out of that mindset and move into the future. And we throw the ball all over the place and stuff. And last year was one of the first years that the throwing the ball took place much more than the running the ball which is awesome. Good job for them. But it didn't it didn't equate to a bunch more wins. And so if it's not going to equate to more wins, why are we doing it? Um, shoot, when I talked about the, the way to beat uh, Ohio State, I made that sort of comparison to what did Stanford do with Oregon way back in the day. Well, that Stanford guy is your head coach, man. And, and I, so part of me is like, oh, I wish you would wish you would just call up uh old boy from Stanford and be like, hey, man, you don't want to be head coach anymore anyway. Come out here and then you'll get your run game coordinator back from the Niners that you had back in the day. And, and you just, you know, you go all in. You become the Big Ten version of the Baltimore Ravens and your brother. And, and you go back to that sort of style. And who knows? Maybe that's what they're working on. But that's that's the brand of football I thought that Michigan was going to get, and they haven't. So who knows? That's your your exciting team uh, for what it's worth in the Big Ten this year. Will Michigan turn the corner? Will that stuff happen? Uh, I know there's tons of other teams I could talk about, but I'm not going to. I mean, if you want to get hype about Rutgers football, then you need to be hype about you know different offensive schemes. If it only nets them two or three yards, you got to be pumped to see pulling linemen and stuff like that. You know, if you, you want to be hype about Illinois football, you got to be pumped about, you know, the, the outside zone that they just ran, you know, from that, that unique tight end set. You want to be hype about Northwestern and you got to be hype about defense. You know, if you want to be hype about Nebraska, uh, then <laughs> I don't know. Then you got to be hype about maybe your quarterback throwing it to somebody on his own team. Uh, I, I guess the most intriguing team that I have is Purdue. 
I have no idea what to expect from Purdue this year, um, but I'm excited to watch. Um, so, yeah, that's that's college football. Uh, that's all of it uh, in terms of what I think. If, uh, if I missed anything or anybody, uh, reach out to me. I, I would love to continue talking about college football, but, like, I don't know. It doesn't take um, – the podcast – needs to stay under an hour and i doubt highly that i was able to do that so i'm trying to wrap things up for you uh unique sort of tidbit here with regards to the league Uh, we do have a couple of really big dates uh, that are going to be in place here soon Um, we're going to have on august 15th it's a sunday we're going to have the brunch of champions We're, we're getting into the 2021 now brunch is cool thing everybody doing the brunch so we're going to have a lottery and we're going to draw new conferences and this year instead of having the east and west and just having those teams stay there we're going to redraw conferences every year because that's exciting that's fun that gives another reason to hang out that gives us a reason for brunch also um We're not calling our conferences East and West anymore. We are now the legends and leaders. Awesome. During brunch, we're going to award um, all of our conference pennants that we sort of fell behind in giving. Uh, I've sparked a renewed interest in football. It's August, friends. It's coming. It's going to be exciting. We'll see you soon.